1: Good morning. I'm Rashad Salamat. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. As we talk about inflation, we get that key CPI print uh, Wednesday morning and traders are gearing up for that. It could, of course, provide more clues on uh, what the Federal Reserve does do next. Bloomberg's Michael McKee has a preview.
2: Investors have already priced for a rise in headline inflation, largely led by energy prices. The Fed can't affect those, so there's no anticipation the CPI will lead to a rate rise at next week's meeting. Instead, the focus will be on the core inflation rate. It's forecast to drop, suggesting the central bank is still making progress. Within the report, analysts will be looking primarily at housing prices, rents. After a long period pushing inflation up, they are expected to decelerate. Fed officials, of course, will also be looking at core service prices, ex-housing, for signs that wage growth is slowing, even though Wall Street commissions have pushed that category higher in recent months. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Radio. We go next to Apple and the unveiling of four new iPhone models that happened today. These new models include the iPhone 15, 15+, 15 15 Pro and 15 Pro Max. Now, Apple's new Pro Max model will have a hefty price tag, $1,199. You know, that's up 100 bucks from last year. Apple is banking on some new materials along with improved performance as a way of trying to win over consumers in a market that uh, has been a little sluggish where smartphone demand is concerned. Here is Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow.
1: What we know is that, as expected, we have two variants of the base model iPhone 15, a 6.1-inch screen and a 6.7-inch screen. Both of them get the dynamic island, which is the top sliver of the screen, a more interactive display that displays more information. The big news so far on the low-end iPhone 15 is the upgrades to the camera, 48 megapixel. The iPhone 14 non-pro versions a year ago had 12 megapixels, so that's a pretty substantive upgrade on the camera technology.
2: That is Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow. By the way, as of Friday, Apple will begin taking pre-orders for these latest iPhones in more than 40 countries.
1: Rashad? Right, well, we've got to stay with tech and uh, we've got the first antitrust trial pitting the federal government against a major tech company getting underway in Washington. Bloomberg's uh, Nathan Hager has more from D.C.
2: The case is United States versus Google. The Justice Department is accusing Alphabet's search giant of paying more than $10 billion a year to maintain its position as the default search engine on the web and mobile devices. Federal prosecutors say Google has been a monopoly for more than a decade and controls more than 89 percent of the online search market. Google denies the government's claims. U.S. District Judge Mehta is expected to issue a decision next year. In Washington, I'm Nathan Hager, Bloomberg Radio. We go to the oil market next and the latest data from OPEC Plus showing global oil markets will face a supply shortfall of more than three million barrels a day in the next quarter. Now, this obviously comes after both Saudi Arabia and Russia decided to extend their production cuts until the end of 2023. Now, today's news did send oil prices surging. WTI, we talked about it, rising today by around uh, 1.8%. Brent crude back above 92 a barrel. We heard earlier today from Francisco Blanche. He is the head of Global Commodities and Derivatives at Bank of America. He thinks Saudi Arabia and OPEC Plus, will become more cautious if prices continue to rise. Well, I think that the Saudis have always been very cautious about uh, avoiding demand destruction episodes. Uh, And certainly, uh, I think they will become cautious again if prices break through $100 a barrel. uh, Because as we saw last year with gas, with natural gas, if prices do get out of whack, uh, you can lose a lot of demand. European natural gas demand from industry, remember, is lower today than it was at this time last year, with a 90% decline in prices. So you have to be careful what you wish for. Francisco Blanche there from Bank of America. By the way, the International Energy will report its outlook on Wednesday.
1: All right, we're going to stay with uh, oil companies and have a look at uh, BP CEO Bernard Looney, because he's resigned effective immediately. The company saying that Looney didn't fully disclose personal relationships. The surprise development leaving the oil and gas giant leaderless at a crucial juncture. BP's trying to persuade investors to stick with it through a costly transition to low carbon energy. We heard more from Bloomberg's Alex Steele. Looney had made the point that they were going to be investing less and less and less in oil and gas. But as the returns for alternative energy got worse and worse and worse, they cannot live up to the returns that you're going to get in an oil and gas field. So we had to pare back uh, some of that lack of investment. That is Bloomberg's Alex Steele. Now, BP didn't name any potential successor to Looney, but the chief financial officer will replace him on an interim basis. That's Murray Auchinloss. BP typically has chosen CEOs from among the ranks of its own top executives.
2: We go to China next, where home sales in the country seem to be losing momentum, even though authorities recently loosened restrictions on mortgages. Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann has more from Hong Kong.
3: Checks by industry watchers are saying that the rebound is fading in China's tier one cities. In Beijing, sales of existing homes plunged 35 percent in less than two weeks. That's according to one of China's top property agencies, Centaline, Across China, transactions continue to drop, falling more than 20% by area. The fading rebound raises doubts on whether the steps are enough to revive the market before a crucial busy season. Economists say more aggressive easing measures may be needed to ensure a strong recovery. In Hong Kong, I'm Yvonne Mann, Bloomberg Radio.
2: The latest survey of global fund managers from Bank of America was very interesting. It shows a dramatic shift in investors' equity allocation, a rush toward the U.S. and a huge exit from emerging markets. EM equity allocation down in the month of September to net nine percent overweight but here's the thing we were net 34 percent overweight in august now this is largely a story about china and a lot of the negative uh, pessimism or the negative sentiment that we have seen there in fact this uh, b of a survey also shows the most likely source of any potential systemic credit event will be in the china real estate market daybreak asia and an update on global news is next We begin with U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy launching an impeachment probe in President Joe Biden. Ed Baxter with more from the Bloomberg Newsroom.
4: Yeah, that's exactly right. Douglas McCarthy calls the Biden administration a culture of corruption. House
2: Republicans have uncovered serious and credible allegations into President Biden's conduct. Taken together, these allegations paint a picture of a culture of corruption.
4: Now McCarthy says it will focus on Son Hunter.
2: I do not make this decision lightly. and Regardless of your party or who you voted for, these facts should concern all Americans.
4: Now, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says while he feels for the pressure McCarthy's feeling from the right wing of his party. I think the impeachment inquiry is absurd.
1: The American people want us to do something that will make their lives better, not go off on these chases and uh, witch hunts.
4: Now Bloomberg's Wendy Benjaminson says politically his use of terms like witch hunt
2: Democrats who are saying this is a witch hunt and that this is um how dare they do the inquiry without a full house vote ahead of time mm-hmm. and it's funny to watch one party see the other party using their own playbook against
4: them. the Republicans also have condemned Biden for what they call the weaponization of the Justice Department. New COVID-formulated shots in the U.S. have gotten a green light from the CDC advisory panel. The panel recommending the full CDC itself recommend use for those six months and older. Says it could allow the shots to be administered as early as this week. Now, of course, that will depend on individual health care providers getting supply and scheduling appointments and those kinds of things. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has been meeting with Russian officials, presumably about an arms deal, even though the the U.S. is warning against it. Brigadier General Patrick Ryder speaking for the White House. We would call on North Korea to uh, meet its uh, previous stated public commitments
2: not to supply weapons to Russia, uh, which will only end up uh, prolonging the unnecessary war in Ukraine.
4: And uh, Vladimir Putin is being quoted in Russian media saying war will continue for a while. Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville says he will continue to block the promotions of military people until the Biden administration removes the executive policy regarding DOD travel and reproductive rights. In an exclusive Bloomberg interview,
1: 2023, they want to change it with a memo from the White House. We're not a communist country. Everything that's made policy and law goes through Congress. Uh, and I told them that. If you change it, I'm going to block your admirals and generals. Well, at that time, there was one or two. Now we're up to 300. I think they're starting to believe me that uh, I meant what I said.
4: And on balance of power, it says the solution simple. Let's
1: just vote on it. And if it passes, if it passes, if it doesn't, it doesn't.
4: Yeah, critics argue he's paralyzing the Pentagon. Global news powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg.
0: Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
2: Let's get to our guest. Uh, Belita Ong is with us. Belita is uh, chairman of Dalton Investments. She joins us from Santa Barbara, California. Belita, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for making time to chat with us. Maybe you had a chance to look at the Bank of America survey today of global fund managers. A big move away from emerging markets right now is—is is that a strategy that, that you would adopt at the moment, given the weakness that we have been describing for the Chinese economy?
3: Hello, Doug. Thanks for having me back. Um, The movement, as you mentioned, has everything to do with China and the um, uh, reducing of exposure to China, which was for decades an extremely profitable place to invest in. You know, from our point of view, we've not invested since Jack Ma was hauled in to be re-educated, which is now now a few years ago, and it's simply because of the way we invest. Um, We look for value companies that are led by entrepreneurs whose interests are aligned with ours, and in, in China, the most successful entrepreneur was punished for being too successful. And on top of that, um, uh, uh, that was followed by the whole private tutoring um, shutdown. So one day you had a great business and the next day was gone. So given those types of risks, it's just not a market that we can invest in. That's not to say that you can't make money in China. I, d- I don't believe that at all. I think you can. It's just not the way uh, we do it because uh, it doesn't fit with our investment criteria. And if we don't invest in China, then there are many other places to invest in. So it's not as though being shut out of China is, uh, uh, you know, is a death knell to our investment um, uh, capabilities in, across Asia.
1: Brilliant. But is that, uh, you know, so there has been a kind of, uh, I suppose, feeling that the regulatory clampdown has perhaps disappeared, but it can come back at any stage. But uh, Curiously, you mentioned the other places you can invest to make money. So where are you looking?
3: Well, we are still very um, positive on being able to add um, returns above the benchmark in both Japan as well as in India. And in Japan, it's largely to do with the fact that Japan's in this great spot right now where finally the economy's growing. Finally, the uh, deflation they've suffered for decades seems to be reversing. So we we finally saw a small increase in wages uh, in the last uh, negotiations. And the BOJ is inclined, I believe, to continue to keep rates as low as possible through the next round of negotiations so that they can keep um, uh, wage increases, thereby fueling consumer spending for the economy. So it's sort of like opposite world in Japan where with the rest of the world concerned about inflation, but Japan's been fighting deflation for so long that they won't give up that fight until they see that it's really Um, you know, well-ensconced.
2: You were talking about the entrepreneurial spirit, and I'm wondering whether that applies to Vietnam. And the the indication here is that uh, there is some opportunity to grow uh, for the the local economy in technological terms. And I'm wondering whether that's a market that you would consider.
3: Yes, it's certainly a market we would consider. In fact, we're in the process of getting access to that market now, because you need special um, access to be able to invest uh, in uh, the domestic market there. But it is a market that we think is becoming more and more interesting and in the past when we have invested we've done it through uh, closed-end funds which uh, are run by people we know well and which uh, often trade at a discount but uh, we're actually taking steps to invest uh, directly ourselves so yes it's a market that we find interesting but in japan if i could go back to that in addition to the fact that the economy is doing well the cheap yen makes uh, car exports for example uh, do extremely well and you've got a lot of foreign inflows that we haven't seen in ages which also helps with the um, domestic market. And on top of all that, you've had this, finally you're seeing the the results of, um, you know, eight, nine years of corporate governance reform lead to much better behavior by Mm. managements in Japan, uh, increase in buybacks, dividends, uh, more M&A and more management buyouts. So, you know, everything's going well for Japan right now.
1: Belita, very quickly. So you do also, away from Japan, look at the, uh, I suppose, deglobalization or de-risking story.
3: Yes, absolutely. The uh, de-risking story is very good for certain countries. India, for example, um, it's, uh, she's the prettiest girl in the dance. Everybody wants to work but with her, uh, dance with her.
2: The prettiest girl in the dance. We'll leave it there. Belita, always a pleasure. Belita Ong, chairman of Dalton Investments. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall
1: Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast.
2: You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston,
1: and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130.
2: Plus, listen coast-to-coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Doug Krisner,
1: And I'm Rashad Salamat. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia.